Welcome to the Celebration Church podcast and thanks so much for tuning in. Celebration Church is one church in 10 locations across Southeast Louisiana. We are all about changing lives, homes, our city, and the world through Jesus Christ. We hope that you're both encouraged and challenged by today's message. Well, welcome again to Celebration Online. Thanks so much for joining us. And listen, no matter where you are, where you live, where you're from, we want you to know that we care about you. If there's any way we can pray for you or serve you or help you in the coming days, please let us know. Today, I want you to take your Bible or Bible app and turn to me to Matthew chapter 5. And today, we're going to be looking at verses 10 through 12 as we conclude our series on the Beatitudes of Jesus. Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. As you find that passage of Scripture, let me ask you a question. Have you ever had people in your life who disliked you, who criticized you, who maligned you, who said bad things about you? If you haven't, you probably will at some time in your life. No matter who you are, how good you live, there are always going to be people who are opposed to you. I think about one of our uh, couples here at Celebration Church who moved from the South Shore of Greater New Orleans to the North Shore, and they'd only been there for about a week when they called me and said, Pastor, we got moved into our new home, but our neighbors, we met our neighbors, and they, they intensely dislike you. I said, well, tell me who they are. So I don't know why they dislike me. I know I've confronted people over the years who dislike me. They told me who they were. And I said, oh, I remember that couple. I was involved in doing their premarital counseling for a short time, but then I refused to marry them because I said they should never get married. They were always going to be in conflict if they got married. And my friend said, well, they should have listened to you. He said, they're always fighting and fussing. We can hear them in the house next door. Several times a week, they call the police over because they're having such a physical altercation. uh, But they can't stand you. They intensely dislike you because you told them not to get married. Listen, if we stand up and speak up for the truth, there are going to be people who dislike us, people who come against us, uh, people who oppose us, and sometimes even people who persecute us. And so Jesus has a word for us today to help us to know how to weather that opposition and overcome that persecution. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. Jesus said in the New International Version, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you or persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, because of your relationship with me. He goes on to say, rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who went before you. In this last beatitude that Jesus gave us, he was telling us that we can experience God's blessing and greater happiness, even when dealing with opposition in our lives. That's good to know because while there are lots of people experiencing opposition and persecution across our world, Christians are at the top of the list. In fact, Christians are the most persecuted people on earth around the world. The International Society for Human Rights, a secular organization, recently sent out a report that says 80% of all religious freedom violations in the world today are directed against Christians. Not against Muslims, not against Buddhists, not against Hindus, but against Christians. And I've certainly found that to be true in my own life and experience. I've been in China, uh, where China is a communist country, and Christianity as we know it is basically outlawed. And I sat there with a pastor who was looking around the entire time, hoping that no one was watching us, observing us, and hoping that no one was listening to us. I've talked with pastors from Pakistan uh, whose lives and families are threatened on a regular basis because of their faith in the Lord and their commitment to the Lord. One of my best friends is a pastor in northern Africa, and uh, he and I 
are so very close. He stayed in my home numerous times. But on a regular basis, his family is threatened because he refuses to cave into the, the values of his society, a Muslim culture, and he, he unashamedly loves the Lord and lives for the Lord. Now, here in the United States where I live, we face mostly silent oppression. We're pressured to be quiet in regards to our beliefs and to our ethics. Uh, people don't come against us like they do in Muslim countries or Hindu countries or Buddhist countries, but they, they ridicule Christians oftentimes. They mock Christians. They make fun of Christians. And sometimes they reject Christians and sometimes even punish Christians. Sometimes in certain places, Christians aren't allowed to have Christian symbols that they wear or, or Christian symbols on their desk and stuff like that. And there's a... But oftentimes, it's more of a silent oppression against Christians. Why are people like that towards Christians? Why do people ridicule or harass or put down or even persecute Christians? Well, the answer to that are found in the beatitude that Jesus gave us in Matthew 5, 10 through 12. Now, we read earlier from the New International Version. Let me read again from the New Living Translation. Jesus said, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, or God blesses those who live with righteousness in their lives. Remind us that sometimes we experience opposition and persecution because of the lives we live. In fact, the word righteousness there is a word uh, that means to divide. It's translated, it comes from the word it means to divide. One reason that Christians are persecuted is because our behaviors and lifestyles are divisive in today's culture, in today's world. You see, most Christians have higher moral standards than the people, than the rest of our society. They have uh, different beliefs than the rest of our society. And because of that, uh, we oftentimes stand out like diamonds in a coal mine. Let me ask you, do you live differently than the rest of the people around you? Do you act differently? Do you talk differently? Do you dress differently than the people around you? If you're a Christian, you ought to be living differently and acting differently and, and talking differently than the people around you. And because you do, it's going to bring back some opposition against you or even persecution. Christians are persecuted because of the life we live. And then Christians are persecuted also because of the Lord that we live. Jesus said, you're persecuted because of my name's sake. Now, let me tell you something you may not realize, and that is that the world hates Jesus Christ. You say, oh, no, pastor, the world doesn't hate Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, the world hates Jesus Christ. Now, the world doesn't hate baby Jesus that we talk about at Christmas time because almost everybody loves a baby, but, but the world hates the Jesus who stands up against injustice, ungodliness, immorality in our world. The Bible says in 1 John 3, verse 8, that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, and those who are in alignment with the devil, those who espouse the values of the devil, I'm telling you, they're in opposition to Jesus Christ. The people involved in the pornography industry and the alcohol industry and the illicit drug industry and other types of industries, I'm telling you, the world comes against Jesus Christ and the people who profess to be followers of Jesus Christ. So I'm telling you, Jesus told us that the world will persecute you because of the life that you live and because of the Lord that you love. But the Bible says we're not to be overwhelmed by that persecution. We're not to be overwhelmed by that opposition. In fact, we're to expect it in our lives. Paul wrote these words in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. He said, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, everyone who wants to live like that will suffer persecution. Not might, not maybe, not should. They will suffer persecution, which reminds us that Christianity is not for weaklings. It takes courage in today's world, to stand up and to live for the Lord. So here's the question we want to address today. How are we to respond 
when we face persecution from others? How would you respond when we, face perse- when we face persecution from the people we go to school with or the people that we work with or the people that we live beside or the people that we encounter? How are we to respond when we face opposition and persecution from among our own family members because of the life that we live and the Lord that we love? Let me give you two primary answers to that question and then some helpful steps as well. To begin with, when dealing with opposition, we've got some truths that we need to consider, some truths that we need to embrace. Number one, we need to remember that opposition can make us more like Jesus. Now, opposition can make us more like Jesus because Jesus himself experienced opposition. In John 15, Jesus said these words in verses 18 and 19, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so that's why the world hates you. Jesus was reminding us that because the world hated him, the world's going to hate us as well if we love the Lord and if we're living for the Lord. Now, follow me on this. To become like Jesus, we have to go through what Jesus went through. One of our primary goals in life is to become like Jesus in our attitude, our ambitions, in our actions, and the relationships of our lives. But to become like Jesus, we have to go through what Jesus went through. Were there times when Jesus was lonely? Yes, there were. Were there times when Jesus was discouraged? Yes, there were. Were there times when Jesus was fatigued and worn out? Yes, there were. Were there times when Jesus was tempted? Yes. Were there times when Jesus was maligned and lied about and criticized and persecuted? Yes. So what makes you think that God will spare you from going through all that kind of stuff when he didn't spare his own son from going through those kinds of things? Telling him, if you try to become like Jesus, if you want to become like Jesus, you're going to experience persecution and opposition in your life. Several reasons. One, because evil hates goodness. The Bible says in John 3, 19, God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light for their actions were evil. And it's still the truth. It's still true today. People still love darkness more than they love light. And that means they're going to come against those who embrace the light, who love the Lord, who live for the Lord. Also, we learn from this verse is that opposition means that we're doing something right. We're being like Jesus in that moment when we get opposition. Now, the Bible says this in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 14. If you're insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you'll be blessed for the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. In other words, when we are criticized because of our devotion to the Lord, we should consider that a compliment and expect God to bless us because we stood up and stood out for the Lord. Let me ask you to tell you, if nobody has ever criticized you for your faith, what's that saying about your faith? It's saying that you don't have much faith. If nobody ever criticizes you for your faith. For the Bible says over and over and over that loving the Lord and living for the Lord will bring criticism. If you're not criticized, you need to ask yourself, how much like Jesus am I if nobody ever speaks against me, it comes against me, or persecutes me because of my faith? We also need to remember that opposition can deepen our faith. Here's what I've learned. If we don't have opposition, we're probably not going to grow significantly in our faith or Christ-likeness. Sort of like the way that you grow a muscle. A muscle is grown not by sitting in a chair and eating popcorn while you watch movies on Netflix. A, a muscle is grown by stretching it, by straining it, by testing it. If you've, if, if you've ever gone to a gym, and some of us haven't gone enough, if you've ever gone to a gym and worked out, obviously, you know that the way you grow a muscle is by straining it, by putting pressure on it, by putting tension against it, by having weight pulling in the opposite direction. You're never going to grow any muscle if there's never any weight pulling in the opposite direction. And you're never going to grow any spiritual muscle 
unless you have to deal with some obstacles and opposition in your life. You have op- if you don't have opposition in life, you're not going to have a growing faith. And by the way, the strongest Christians in the world today are not those who live in North America where we have silent oppression. It's those who live in the areas of the world where there's hostility against Christians and against Christianity. Remember what Paul said in Romans chapter 5. He said, we can rejoice when we run into problems and trials, for we know they help us to develop endurance. They help us to develop our spiritual muscles. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And then thirdly, we need to remember that opposition will bring us eternal rewards. Listen to what Jesus said again from the New Living Translation. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great, great great reward awaits you in heaven. So when dealing with opposition, there's some truths to consider. That opposition helps us to develop our spiritual muscles. Opposition helps us to become more like Jesus. And opposition will bring us great spiritual rewards. But also when dealing with opposition, we have some principles to live by. Number one, when dealing with opposition... We shouldn't be surprised by the persecution. And remember, if we're going to love Jesus and live for Jesus, Jesus himself said we're going to get opposition in our lives. The apostle Peter said the same thing. He said in 1 Peter 4, 12, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening. And again, Jesus said in John 15, 20, do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master since they persecuted me. Quite naturally, they will also persecute you. Little five-year-old Jack had a two-year-old sister named Susie, and one day little Jack came running kind to his mama. He had a bite mark on his arm, and he was crying because his two-year-old sister Susie had bitten him. His mother tried to calm him down. She said, Jack, don't worry. The pain will be gone in just a few moments, and don't be mad at Susie. She doesn't even know that biting hurts. Well, about 10 minutes later, the mom heard Susie cried, and she rushed into the room to see what was wrong with Susie. And Susie had a bite mark on her arm, and Jack was standing beside her, and he said to his mama, now she knows that it hurts. Listen, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when opposition comes against you if you love the Lord and you're living for the Lord. Also, we shouldn't be worried about our fate. It says in 1 Peter 3, verses 14 and 15, even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. God will take care of it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your lives. Those verses remind us that we overcome our worry and fears by by focusing on the Lord and trusting his provision and believing that he's going to reward us and he's going to bless us. People ask me sometimes, Pastor, do you ever struggle with worry? And I tell them, no, I'm not, I don't struggle with worry. Worry is a sin. And if I'm going to sin, I'm going to do something a lot more fun than worry. But lots of people struggle with worry. They worry about what other people think. They worry about what other people say or will say. They worry about this and that and the other. Do you ever struggle with fears? Most people do. They're afraid of losing their health or their wealth, their, their family members or their friends, their job or their joy or, or other things in their life. But listen, the Bible says, Peter says, don't be afraid and don't be worried. God's going to take care of you and God's going to reward you. Reminds us, that, and the Bible says this in Joshua 1, 9, do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That verse reminds us we overcome our fears by focusing on the Lord and depending on his presence in our lives. And then when dealing with opposition, we shouldn't be ashamed of our faith. We should never be afraid of speaking up for the Lord or standing up for what we believe in. The Bible says in 1 Peter 4, 16, it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. In fact, praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Is an insult going to kill you? No, it's not. Is a put down, put down going to kill you? 
No, it's not. Is somebody calling you a name or labeling you something because you made a stand for Christ or a biblical truth is going to hurt you or harm you? Not really. It's some troll on the Internet uh, who's trying to uh, bait you and get you into an argument. Is that going to hurt you? No, it's not going to kill you. So don't let other people get to you. Don't be ashamed of speaking up for the Lord and speaking up for your Christian faith. In fact, the Bible says this in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 9. You got to remember, not, what you're going through is nothing compared to what others are going through around the world. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, verse 9, stand firm against the devil and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering, and I would say even greater suffering. Also, when dealing with opposition, we shouldn't be hard or difficult to deal with. We shouldn't be irritable or difficult to deal with. We got to remember that the people who are coming against us with their words and actions, it's not them, but it's really not them. It's the devil behind them. Listen to these verses in Ephesians 6, 11, and 12. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Think about that phrase. You're not fighting against your neighbors or your coworkers or, or even your spouse. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Those verses remind us that the devil, not other people, but the devil is our primary enemy, and he's the one who is initiating the opposition against us. Again, it's not our coworkers or our neighbors. It's not the uh, relatives or our family members. It's not some competitor. Um, they are coming against us, but they are being motivated to come against us by the devil himself. Now, you've heard the phrase, God loves you and has a good plan for your life. Well, I want to tell you the devil hates you and has a bad plan for your life. The devil hates God. First and foremost, he hates God, but he can't hurt God. He can't harm God. And so guess what? He comes after those that God loves. Everybody knows the best way to hurt a parent is to hurt their children. And the devil knows he can't hurt God. So he comes against God's children. And he's the one behind the people who are making snide comments to us, who are talking about us, who are rejecting us, who are ridiculing us, who are mocking us, who are persecuting us. And we can't let them get to us we got to always remember the devil's behind their words and their actions. In fact, listen to what Paul wrote, 2 Timothy. He said, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, even the most devilish people we know. He said, they must be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Gently instruct those who come against you. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap for they have been held captive by the devil to do whatever he wants. When people mock you, criticize you, ridicule you, reject you, uh, just think about this. They're in bondage to the devil. Thank God you're not in bondage to the devil like they are. Let me also say this. We must refuse to retaliate when people try to hurt us. The Bible says in Romans 12, verses 18 and 19, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. And dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. Don't retaliate. Just turn those people over to the Lord. In fact, write this down. Anytime I react to what other people say or do, I give control to that person. Anytime I react to when somebody criticizes me, maligns me, pokes fun at me, all those kinds of things, I, I give power and control to the person who has done that. Have you ever said, you make me so mad? 
Well, then you just admit it. Who's in control? Not you, but the person making you mad. Don't let what other people say or do control you or determine how you respond. George Washington Carver, the great African-American uh, who, is, who made such a contribution to our society, said, I will never allow another man to control my life by making me hate him. And then when dealing with opposition, we shouldn't be afraid to share our faith. There's some great chapters in the Bible. I mean, I love a number of chapters in the Bible. Romans 8, John 3, uh, Philippians 4. Numbers. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible is Acts chapter 8. In Acts 8, the, the early church is going, beginning to expand. It's beginning to leave Jerusalem and Judea and go to other parts of the world. And, uh, but the Bible says that expansion of Christianity was prompted by persecution. It says in Acts 8, a great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers, except for the apostles, were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. But the believers who were scattered because of persecution preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. In other words, they went out into the world because they were persecuted. They had to leave because they were persecuted. But as they went, they told people about Jesus. They shared the love of Jesus. They ministered to people in the name of Jesus. And Christianity just continued to grow and expand. By the way, we're told in verse 3 of Acts 8, it's not in our study guide, but verse 3, that the one who led the persecution against Christians was a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus. Now, you may not know that name Saul of Tarsus, but Saul of Tarsus, after he came to faith in Christ, became the apostle Paul. He became the Apostle Paul, which reminds us that sometimes our harshest critics, sometimes the ones who are leading the way in in opposing us, can one day become the greatest Christians we know. I remember when I went to work for a certain insurance company in New Orleans, a guy who really poked fun at me, criticized me, maligned me, ridiculed me, the guy who talked about me all the time. Ultimately, we became friends. He became a follower of Jesus. He became a leader in the kingdom of God. Sometimes our harshest critics can become our closest friends in the family of God. And then when dealing with opposition, we shouldn't be distressed by our circumstances. We shouldn't be saddened, distressed, or overwhelmed or overcome by our circumstances. Remember what Jesus said. He said, God blesses you when people mock you and when people persecute you. That's one thing, to know that God will bless us. But here's what he said. It was on to say, be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And the words of Jesus remind us that we can rejoice when we're experiencing persecution because we know that we're being like Jesus. And we know that the Lord will reward us and bless us in this life and certainly in the life to come. Let me just read a few other verses. First Peter chapter 4, verse 19 says, Those who suffer, those who suffer should commit themselves to their faithful creator, and continue to do good. Those who suffer, which reminds us that uh, there are three kinds of suffering in the world. There's common suffering in the world. It's suffering that's experienced by everyone. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you live, doesn't matter what your religious background is, you're going to go through some suffering in life. Uh, when a hurricane comes through a town or a tornado comes through a town, it doesn't just pick on the Christians. It picks on the Buddhists and the Hindus and the Jews and the Muslims and, and the secularists and everybody. That's common suffering. But then there's carnal suffering that is brought on by our own sin. Some of the suffering we experience in life because we made bad choices. We entered into wrong relationships. We did the wrong thing. And the Bible says you'll reap what you sow. And sometimes some of the suffering we experience in life is because of our own decisions in life. But then there's Christian suffering. That occurs when we go through persecution. 
It occurs when we, when God allows us to experience opposition and ridicule and rejection and, and difficulties, but he does so to allow us to, to help us become more like Jesus. Now listen to what Jesus said when we really have some enemies who come against us. He said in Matthew 5, you've heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you in that way. Pray for those who persecute you in that way. You will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. Now, I want to tell you, I don't like those words in those verses. I wish Jesus hadn't said that. I wish they weren't in the Bible. What I wish Jesus would have said would be, Stick it to your enemies. Gossip about those who say things about you. Give the finger to those who curse you. uh, Hurt people who hurt you. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for your enemies. Listen, any wimp can retaliate. Any fool can fight back. Any idiot can say something mean back. Even parents can be taught to curse others. But real men. And real women of God, don't let what others say or do determine what they say or do. They're committed to loving the Lord and living for the Lord and speaking up for the Lord and standing strong for the Lord. And they're even committed to loving and praying for their enemies. Remember, the goal of life is not comfort. And the goal of life is not convenience. The goal of life is character development, developing the character of Jesus and our attitude, our ambitions, our actions, and the relationships of our life. And the Bible says, Jesus said, the Apostle Paul said, many others said, to develop that kind of character, you've got to go through some opposition and some obstacles and some persecution in your life. But listen to what it says in 1 Peter 1, verses 6 and 7, and I close. Peter writes, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire test and purifies gold. And when your faith remains strong through these many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Don't give in. Don't give up. Don't get back. Stay strong. You'll become stronger and receive much praise and honor and glory from the Lord. I want you to bow your head with me right now. I want you to think about a couple of questions before we pray. Here's the first question. Think about this deeply. If they made it illegal to be a Christian in your country, would you still love the Lord and live for the Lord and tell others about the Lord? If they made it illegal to be a Christian in your country where you live, would you still love the Lord? live for the Lord and tell others about the Lord. That's what real Christians are doing in some of those hostile environments around the world. Let me ask you another question. Have you let what other people have said or done affect or determine how you live and how you love? Don't let that happen to you. Dedicate yourself every day to loving the Lord, living for the Lord, speaking up for the Lord, sharing Jesus with others, ministering to others in the name of the Lord. And Jesus said, great will be your reward up in heaven. Now, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And I want to tell you, 
you can't speak up for the Lord and stand up for the Lord and be strong for the Lord unless you have Jesus as the Savior and Lord of your life. If you've not fully made him the Lord of your life, if you've not fully surrendered your life to him, there's no way you're going to be able to over, there's no way you're going to be able to be that kind of Christian and stand up against opposition in your life. But if you'll make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, I'm telling you, he, he will give you the strength that you need to endure opposition, to overcome obstacles, and to make it through persecution in your life. So I want to lead you to pray to commit your life to Christ, but I want to lead you to pray with me for people around the world who are experiencing great adversity because they love the Lord and because they live for the Lord. Lord, today we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for these challenging words that Jesus gave us as he concluded the Beatitudes. Throughout the Beatitudes, Jesus is telling us how to be blessed, how to become more blessable in our lives. But then at the very end, he says, you're blessed and become more blessable when you learn how to respond rightly to the persecution and opposition of others. Help us to take to heart what Jesus said in these last verses in the Beatitudes and help us to apply them to our lives. Lord, today, if there are those who are watching with me who are not fully committed and fully surrendered to the Lord, who, who really are, they, they become overwhelmed by the accusations or lies or whatever it is you receive for other people. I pray that we would really all commit our lives to the Lord. In fact, let's pray right now. Lord Jesus, I want you to be not just my Savior. I want you to be the Lord of my life, the Lord of every part of my life. Help me to love you, live for you. Help me to be so in tune with you that I can even love and pray for my enemies. And Lord, today I pray that you would motivate us also not just to pray for ourselves, and to pray for our family members and friends, but to pray for Christians in very difficult parts of the world. We've been praying for people in Ukraine. We pray for your protective hand over them. But we pray for Christians in China, North Korea, in India, Pakistan, Nepal, and Afghanistan, uh, in Northern Africa, in different parts of the world. In Indonesia, Lord, we pray that, that you would watch over them and protect them, help them to be strong in the face of opposition and persecution. And help us to be more like you and more like them in the days ahead. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's message, make sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. Again, thanks for listening to the Celebration Church Podcast.